Welcome to What CEOs Want to Know, short conversations that can make a lasting difference for you and your business. My name is Linda Ruland, founder of SuccessAuthorities.com and the producer of this podcast series. The fact that change is a constant is more true today than ever. What's not so constant, however, is the way in which people adapt to change. Kathleen Osta, success authority and owner of Vital Clarity, facilitates change. Here's what she says you should consider when it's time to pivot. Kathleen, you and I talked a little bit about pivoting, where we're in a world of constant change that seems to be speeding up, and leaders need to know what and how to lead throughout this change and how and when to pivot. So you were describing to me some tools that you use through your work and through your facilitation. One of them was there is a process involved to this change that as leaders, we need to be cognizant of if we're going to be successful. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, and change is not new, but it's a little bit like communication. I've never done a strategic planning session where communication wasn't an issue. I mean, it's just, it's what we all face. And so change is the same way. And what happens with change is it becomes fairly unconscious. And so there's a process to make it more conscious so you can be more effective in the way you move through it. And they're natural, normal phases. But we we're blind to them because we don't take the time. This gives you the time to not only recognize the stages, but then as an organization and a team have some shared language. So you can refer to it and know what you're talking, that you're both talking about the same thing. Tell me a little bit about this natural process, these natural stages of change that you mentioned. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and, And people, some people would already be familiar with them because, as I said, so many people have lived through them. What we haven't always done is stopped and reflected on how did we get ourselves through that? What did we do? And where were our stumbling blocks? So an initial response to a major change and this has a pretty bad rap, but it's really a a self-preserving response, is denial. You know, if it's a big change that sort of shakes you at your roots, well, why wouldn't you want to go into denial about it? The trick is to not stay stuck there and to spend as little time as possible. So denial is like saying, "I I can't handle the reality of this all at once because it's too big. And so it's knowing how do you face that and and what does it take to move you from denial to resistance, which doesn't sound like much of a picnic either. But the truth is when you're in resistance, you're at least acknowledging that the change exists. Denial in its strongest form is like you can't even talk about it. Now, it's on a continuum as well. And sometimes people can tune into parts of the change, but not all parts. And that's why you can't lockstep describe this process. And you can't lockstep say how long it will take people to go through it because it's contingent on the nature of the change, people's past experience with change. There are folks, and you know them, who are change hardy. It's like they just bring it on. I I can handle it all. And then there are other people that have had such bad experiences with change that they're pretty reluctant, and it's going to take them a little longer. And it's about raising everyone's awareness about what these phases are so we can all take responsibility for moving ourselves and helping each other move together. It's helpful for leadership to know for a number of reasons. The leadership who's designed it has had time 
to adjust to it because they designed it and they probably went down a path or two. They're like, no, that's not going to work. We got to do this. It's a matter of leadership, one, knowing it and how it was for them so that they build in the time that's needed for other people to catch up. Are you finding that people in organizations that you've worked with make a lot of assumptions when it comes to moving forward in another direction? Well, yeah. I mean, I think they tend to oversimplify it. It's not because they know the urgency. I mean, there's usually a sense of urgency. So it's like, come on, we got to get this done. We got to shift because we want to stay competitive. And it is true that the individuals and organizations who are good at change are the ones who tend to be more successful. I mean, there are more cautionary tales about organizations that didn't see the writing on the wall and where they landed. That's why Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. People do feel this sense of urgency, but forcing people isn't going to work. If you want to make good use of your time, energy, and resources, you need to know which aspects of the change you can influence or control. Given the fact that we're human beings and we don't respond predictively at the push of a button. There's got to be a way in which we can educate and condition ourselves Mm -hmm. to be able to live, adapt, and flourish in this ocean of perpetual motion. Yeah, it's a matter of gaining enough familiarity with the model that you then make it your own. So the model is what a model is. This is the predictable path of change. It isn't always in sequence, but it more often is than not. And then looking at your own culture and saying, what do we know about past changes and how we've moved through them? And making it your own by saying, what's our, what are some of our go-to strategies? Once you're itching to move forward and you start putting your toe in the water about, oh, you know, maybe this change is really going to be to our benefit. And you start seeing the possibilities. Then you've moved into exploration where now you're thinking, okay, this has some value. I may not be in complete love with it, but I, I can see now where it came from and why it makes some sense. In exploration, then our wheels start turning about how to make it work. And the danger in that zone is that you sometimes can get scattered and you start exploring too many options. So it's a matter of staying focused and remembering what is the purpose of this change again? What is it we're out to do here? And what is the nature of the change? So you don't you know, um, lose your energy and disperse it too widely. But in exploration, the energy is better and, and you feel better about it and you see that there's a place for you in this new world. Because part of where the denial and resistance comes is that you can't always see where you fit. And you maybe don't have the confidence that you'll be able to do the new thing that's being called for. But once you're in exploration, and then when you've really made the leap, you're now in commitment, which is probably where you were before this major change hit. So with commitment, you're really feeling the juice and you know it needs to happen and you're there. And in fact, once you're in commitment, some folks are even ready for more change. People need to take ownership of the change. Yeah, but they might not be able to do that right away. Because remember, where you are today and where most people are is you've had a hand in it. You have ownership of it. You help create where you are today. When someone says, oh, by the way, we're dropping that like a hot potato and we're going over here. People's identity is tied up with where they've been. And that's part of why this is about managing the human aspects of change. And that's why it makes sense to, and what, and I didn't say what the key is, <laughs> to make the shift from 
denial and resistance over to exploration and commitment is doing some form of a ritual. And people say, a ritual? What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, we do rituals all the time in the workplace, and we do them in our lives. We just don't think of them like that. But a ritual helps us recognize what has been, say a good goodbye to it, so we can then say a good hello to the new. That's where people can breathe again. Okay, this was then. This is where we're going. But they want to be respected for what has been. And also, in many cases, build on what has been. It is probably what prompted you to come to this new change. When I hear the word ritual, a lot of religious connotations pop up. Ah. Is this religious in any way, shape, or form? No, no, not in any way. Um, An example of a ritual is, and in fact, I I worked with a marketing team one time, and they, they got it down. They lost like a major client that was like, a big chunk of their business. They made a shoebox into a casket and they made notes and said, what are we going to miss about this client? And what are we not going to miss about this client? So it's just looking at what does this change represent? What does it mean? And how do we say a good goodbye to it? We're not going to be able to do X anymore because now we have to do Y. And it's really giving that words and recognizing that that's how it shows up knowing that you'll create new rituals. So in a big merger, they had a big outdoor party and they had a big pit and everybody had to throw their old badges and uniforms into the pit and they had a bonfire. Then they had punch and cookies and got their new uniforms and their new badges. I can see how that helps one get through the denial. It's a little hard to deny it after that. (laughs) Well, that's right. And that's the other thing. So when I said there are communication strategies, what we tell leadership is, You need to tell them, you need to tell them again, you need to be willing to be a broken record, you need to put it in writing, you need to put it on posters. I mean, you need to really make it clear it's not going away. They need all the cues they can get and the supports and the tools to go with the new change, whatever that is. Do you sense that people at times misinterpret this sequence of stages as being stubbornness or insubordination? I think if they don't really know the model, yes. Yeah, because resistance just looks like somebody being ornery. But we, one of the recommendations is to listen with a third ear. When someone's resisting, they're often saying, I'm scared. I'm scared I'm not going to be able to do this. So when you let them, and so we also say, listen, listen and don't jump to that judgment about them being insubordinate listen to what they're saying. And they might be saying, oh, they don't think they're going to get what they need to be able to make this change. So that's where some reassurance has to occur. And that means like maybe there's a training and the person's been so scared, they keep not making it to the training. It's like, no, no, the last training is coming up and you need to go to it. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me why you can't get there. Well, my plate's full. Oh, okay, so we have to get somebody else to do what you're doing because you need to make it to this training. And then we'll talk afterwards because the training then gives them the information they may need. They may not still be thrilled about it, but now they realize it can happen and it will work. Does it help for the group to somehow experience this knowing that they're all going through some rattling of nerves? 
Is there any way to ease that tension? It is about being as complete in communication as you can be, saying what it does mean and what it does not mean. Because people's minds, you know, some people are master catastrophizers. It's like, oh, brother, we're going to do this now. And if I don't get up to speed on this, I'm going to get demoted or lose my job. And then I'll lose my house. And then I'll lose just because they have to learn a new software program. And so it's a matter of giving them as much information as you can and then being, like I said earlier, a broken record so that people, so it sinks in because people go into a temporary hearing loss when they first hear the news, they only hear so much. And so you've, that's why the broken record needs to happen because then when they're ready, so when I talked about the shift from resistance to exploration, then your hearing comes back. And what can happen in that phase is like, uh-oh, there's some other stuff I never caught before that I'm catching now that's making me want to go back into resistance because there's different aspects of every change. Some it's like, yeah, I got that. I'm there. And there's other aspects like, not so sure. It's a matter of really persisting. Leadership needs to build in the time. Like what time can we afford and what can we not afford? And then just really being straight with people. Nimble organizations, agile businesses, Right. What defines that? How how do we have a group that can look at change and jump in like they're Olympians? Well, that's and this model is intended to help people become masters of change. Once you realize what happens and you stay aware of it, you can move yourself through pretty fast. So let's say you go to a big change meeting and there's a big announcement being made. There are people in that room that have flipped through the curve by the end of the meeting. And there are other people that are stuck in denial, others that are in resistance, some that are maybe putting their toe in the water. We talk about what do those phases look like? What do you hear and see people doing and saying? So you can catch it. And then you support them and, and just say, it looks like you're unsure about X. This is what that means for you. And this is what that means we need you to do. You know, and there is a per- there are a percentage of people that don't make it. But it's a small percent. As long as you build in all the mechanisms you need to and the strategies to give people the support they need, and also just to really be clear, this change is happening. I've got to believe that this change puts at risk for the leadership, for the organization, the value that they have within this group of people. That's right. You're threatening that at some level, whether you want to or not, whether you're trying to be as gentle as humanly possible. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, if you imagine that four quadrant, you know, of the denial resistance, the curve going down and swooping back up, the left-hand side is when we're perceiving the the change as a danger or a threat. That's exactly right. When we make the shift, then we finally can see it as the opportunity that it is. And the trick is not asking people to make what we call the Tarzan swing, which is as soon as we tell you about it, which triggers your denial, we're asking you to be over in commitment. It isn't going to happen. It's a matter of really building in the mechanisms and the strategies. I mean, you probably have some, and it's a matter of reminding yourselves, oh, remember what happened when we did X? Here's how we made it through. And it's giving yourselves some of the communication strategies are giving yourselves credit when you make even baby steps toward the completion of the change. We tend to be competitive. Our whole business culture from the beginning of time, it seems, is built on competition and getting there first and getting the most out of whatever there is to get the most out of. 
So we're kind of wired that way as employees and employers and leaders. How do you adjust your compass or your recalibrate your brain to make this work for you as a leader, as an organization? Well, and competition can be healthy. It's a matter of degree. And it's not the only variable in the mix. Is that the only thing you're out to do is win and make money? I mean, it's certainly a, a viable goal to have. But what else? What else is happening? I mean, if you think about it, people spend a huge percent of their lives in the workplace. So they're really community centers. And people know about each other's lives. It isn't just hit the bottom line. It's in the mix. You can't ignore it. It's important. It's got its place. It just isn't the only thing. That's when a, a company knows its culture. That's when you pull out the values and remind yourselves, what did we say we're made of here? So it's a both and. It's not an either or. When does this training, as you described it, ideally take place? And when does it typically take place, if it takes <laughs> place at all? Yeah, it's ideal to have leadership have the training when they know they're in, they're designing a change. And then I have a former colleague who used to say, and then you hose everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> but what that really means is you give everybody the benefit of understanding the change experience. And it's, par it's partnered with what the expectations are. It is ideal to know going in. And in fact, even when I do strategic planning, I will sometimes put this in the middle to say, by the way, you're, you've just created a, a strategic plan that basically means we're making change. So when you roll out the strategic plan, you might as well equip people with the change tools because that's what you're asking for. Whenever somebody goes in and reevaluates and makes any adaptations to their strategic plan, that incurs change. And that is the time, ideally, that you take a moment or whatever time it requires to make sure that your leaders are prepared to help their people through the transition process. Right. Yeah. And the training itself isn't very long. There's three core models and it can be done in three hours. Then it's saying, how do we live this? What are the ways we'll translate the reality of this into how we interact with each other and what we and our expectations and our how we set our targets? See, that's why it's optimal for the leadership to have it up front is then they can set more realistic targets. When does it often happen is when it's not going well. And so it's like, well, what's the deal? <laughs> well, the deal is people are just being human. And once you take that pressure off and doesn't mean you don't need to keep moving. See, that's the misnomer people have. It's like, well, it sounds like you're placating people and saying, yeah, but I'm on the transition curve. It's like, no, 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 no. This is now that you know it, you need to move yourself as quickly through it as possible and ask for what you need. It's about a shared responsibility. Sounds like accountability. Yes, absolutely. So when you're aware, you can't deny that you didn't know. All right. So we are in a digital society. We want everything clickety-click now. Yeah. We want it as convenient as possible without any interference with our daily operations, even if we're going through change. Can't I get this online or in an audiobook? Well, you can get the content for sure. The way the training is designed, it's very experiential. And people have aha moments at different times. And it doesn't mean they won't, they won't get any value. 
if they do it, you know, on their very own. But the experience together as a team and hearing people share their ahas or cop to their resistance, especially if leadership does, by the way, that's one of the things I advise. So remember I said leadership kind of goes through the curve first, but they don't even know it. Well, they've probably done their own part of resisting. It might not be long lived. It might not be major. But when someone in a leadership position says, I got to tell you, when I first learned about this change, I had my misgivings about it. I thought, oh, brother, this isn't going to work because of X. And now I've seen the light. And now that I've gotten more familiar with what it really means, I can see that it's going to have payoffs. It's going to be the right thing. And it is the right thing. Well, them admitting that is like giving permission for people to have their own journey. Okay, the first reaction is often denial. I mean, so if you draw a four quadrant box on a sheet of paper, the upper left hand corner is denial, right below denial is resistance. Across from resistance is exploration. And on top of resistance is commitment. When denial hits is when the announcement gets made. When you announce it, you need to be a broken record. You need to make it really clear and not sugarcoat anything. This is the nature of the change. This is the schedule. This is what everyone's called on. Really giving people the information they need in all forms. Then after that, when people start moving into resistance, that's the listening piece. That's where you need to not get so impatient that people aren't where you are as the leader. That's where you say, okay, what are you, what are you really telling me? Because the truth is sometimes someone will make a good point that you didn't consider and you need to weave it in. But if it's just fear, which it can be, I mean, we have a part of the session is saying, what are good reasons for resisting a change? So it's looking at the up and the downside, but listening to what is behind the resistance. Once people shift over to exploration, the, communica uh, the communication strategy is to really keep focus helping people keep focus about where we're going because that's where people can get so excited and so like, oh, I get it now that they lose track of what's moving you in the right direction. So people recognize it when it finally gels, when it clicks. Oh yeah. Well, they click it once we finish building it, we built it on their past experience. And, and so then it's about applying it to the current change. And when they get to commitment, that's where the money is. That's where they're back in motion. They're, they're, they're finding their stride and they're, they're moving right. out and onto whatever this new change is without the resistance that would hold them back. Right, yeah, and they may be asking for even more change. Look forward to future podcasts featuring authorities on topics vital to the success of your business during these changing times. For more information and to contact us directly, visit successauthorities.com.